This is Janelle Wood, and you are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. Hello, welcome back. Whether you've been here before or you're listening for the first time, I love to share what we're all about here. Finding Something Real is an intentional journey designed especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. As someone who's been through my own ups and downs with faith, I wanted to create a special place for young people. Finding Something Real is about finding restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Those are things I believe we all desire that Jesus Christ has the ultimate answers for. And you see, I don't just believe in Jesus because he's changed my life, although he has. I believe in him because he's radically real. So if you find that all hard to believe, I get that. And if you're skeptical, hey, you've come to the right place. But I invite people to just, you know, go on a journey. So today we're diving deeper into season six with a special guest whom I absolutely loved talking with. The way this podcast works is a little different than other podcasts. Here, every month, we try to invite a different young woman to share her story, to talk about her questions, and then we invite guests who can address her honest questions or topics brought up from a Christian perspective. So this month, you are listening to episodes curated by my friend Gracie. In this third episode of the month, you'll be hearing from a deeply insightful lover of Jesus. As a former atheist, he's here today to discuss one of the most challenging topics, we talk about on this podcast. We're going to be talking about Gracie's questions regarding eternity and very specifically the topic of hell. I have to say I loved this conversation so much and the guest today, he made me tear up a few times with his vulnerable stories and the way he talks about God's character. This, I believe, is a really powerful conversation. And Gracie, I know you weren't able to join us for this, but if you're listening, girl, I just want to say thank you again for being honest about your questions. One of the things that you said to me when we met was that these were some questions you felt like you had never received good answers for. So because of that, thank you. Thank you for being vulnerable. Uh, By doing that, you are allowing for other people to wrestle through these hard questions too. And secondly, I hope if you listen to this, you'll find some answers. Now, listener, we'll get to today's episode in just a moment. But if you like this podcast, here's a couple words regarding stuff that helps keep us on the air. Hi, friend. This is Tara Catherine, assistant producer here of the Finding Something Real podcast. This podcast is supported by listeners like you. So please comment, subscribe, follow, like, share, all the things. And one of the biggest things you can do to help keep this podcast on the air is to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We love your reviews. Your public feedback is a huge help to show others that we are not alone over here. So will you please do us a favor? As long as you're not driving right this minute, will you hit pause and go write a review? It won't take more than maybe 30 seconds of your time. Maybe you'll even hear your review on here in a future episode. This week, we want to give a special thanks to reviewer Melanie Castaneda. Melanie says, Listen to this. You will be blessed. Janelle does such a wonderful job of talking about real topics about life and faith. She has such a diverse group of people she interviews from all stages of life, backgrounds, and faith walks. Plus, her voice is so soothing and it feels like you're in a therapy session. Go click on an episode. Any episode. 
Thank you so much, Melanie, for your review. And thank you, listener, in advance for helping tell others about this podcast by leaving a review. Hi, friend. This podcast is sponsored in part by Faithful Counseling. Life is full of ups and downs, unexpected twists and turns, and sometimes we struggle with all that can come our way. Faithful Counseling will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist who is also a practicing Christian. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And as someone with a master's degree in counseling psychology and whom at various times in the past 20 or so years has benefited from seeing a professional therapist, I know the value that professional counseling can bring because we all need someone to talk with and Faithful Counseling can help. Please visit faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real to sign up for professional faith-based counseling. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. There's also a special offer for Finding Something Real listeners to get 10% off your first month at faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real. Thanks again to Faithful Counseling for being a sponsor of this episode. Well, friend, how do you reconcile what the Bible says about God's love with his wrath? How is the idea of hell fair for someone who has good intentions but doesn't know the Bible? If you or someone you love has ever wrestled with those questions, you're going to want to hear today's episode. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and you are listening in for season six, where we are starting off each month with a different young woman sharing her faith story and allowing her the space to ask some tough questions about God and Christianity. This month, we are featuring conversations with or for a young woman named Gracie. If you've listened to our episodes so far this month, you know Gracie had some really thoughtful questions. She had questions about Christian hypocrisy, suffering, and God's character. And I'll also link uh, those episodes that we already shared in the show notes. I don't know how often Gracie will be joining us for these conversations. I did hear back from her today, and I know she's working. But I am so super grateful for her just being vulnerable and sharing her real questions. And I want to say, Gracie, if you ever listen to this, I hope I articulate your questions well. In fact, when we first met, Gracie told me these were her questions about hell. And hopefully I'll paraphrase her here correctly. She told me it seems unfair if people have good intentions but don't know the Bible. It's almost like God is demanding, you will follow or else. She said she's never been able to wrap her mind around that. Those people don't have a chance, in her opinion. She admitted she doesn't know what she believes about hell anymore. She wants to believe there's a heaven, but eternity, she said, just seems so extreme and scary. She mentioned burning fires and for eternity. She knows there's evil in the world and wants to hope that those who perpetrate evil will get what they deserve, but doesn't think it's fair for people who don't know Jesus. That's a lot to unpack, but I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm excited today (laughs) because I do have a guest here (laughs) who's going to dive into the show. (laughs) (laughs) Who's going to dive into this conversation, whether he likes it or not? Today's special (laughs) guest. Today's special guest is a former atheist who used to think belief in God was unwarranted and irresponsible. Then, after examining the evidence for Christianity. 
He was faced with the fact that Jesus is who he says he is, and the Christian worldview tells the true story of reality. Since then, he has been passionate about engaging the culture with honest, well-thought-out reasons why people should trust the Christian worldview. He has a master's degree in Christian apologetics from Biola University, which will probably serve him well in this conversation. Uh, He graduated there with honors as a speaker with an organization called Stand to Reason. He brings a unique perspective to his audiences, having more than 10 years experience in the legal field and serving more than five years as a pastor in his local church. He also serves on the board of directors for Life Without Limbs. That's fascinating. And at Beacon Hill Classical Academy, where he teaches discipleship. I'm very excited to welcome John Noyes to the Fighting Something Real podcast. John, it's too late to back out. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. I, I suddenly have something else to do. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> you know, oh my goodness. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. This is like, uh, this is this is great to be on here. I love what you're doing. I love how you couch it. Uh, it's very personal because you're yeah. answering a real person's questions, in this case, Gracie. Um, so I, I love your approach here. I think you're having a wonderful impact. Mm. And uh, and thanks thanks for considering me kind of worthy to be on the on the podcast. I hope I don't hope I don't mess it all up. <laughs> no, are you kidding? I was so excited. I like dropped a light down there. I just hope it's not a fire hazard. <laughs> I sit up here in this loft that used to belong to my children, and I you know usurped it for my own purposes. And so I'm kind of stuck up here. So as long as there's no fire, we're good. But uh, thank you for that, John. Uh, We're so grateful you're here. You know, when we started this format, one of my biggest concerns that I kept bringing to the Lord was the only way to do this, to bring girls on who have really hard questions, is if they can actually be addressed by somebody who studied them or who's experienced some of these questions. And so I am so grateful for the work that you're doing with Stand to Reason as an apologist. For somebody listening who is not... um, familiar with the topic of apologetics, because sometimes that's a strange word. We talk about it a lot on the podcast, but um, maybe somebody is listening for the first time. Would you explain what apologetics is and what you do as an apologist? Yeah, sure. It's uh, it's just a fancy word for uh, making a defense for the, in this case, the Christian worldview. Um, you can be a, a, an apologist for a, a number of different things, really anything, you know, uh, but in this case, a Christian apologist is somebody who makes uh, or can, contends for the faith earnestly. It comes from First Peter three fifteen. You know that we should always be ready to make a defense. That's the word apologia in the Greek uh, for the for the hope that we have. Um, so basically, as an apologist, man, I actually have my dream job, and I travel and write and uh, and talk about the the glorious and amazing riches found in King Jesus. Um, as a man kind of transformed, not kind of, as a man totally transformed uh, by the Holy Spirit and what Christ has done on my behalf, it's a joy to be able to to go around and, and I'll address topics like uh, issues of justice or abortion or homosexuality or the problem of evil, which we're probably going to get into a little bit on this on this episode, um, uh, the, the the historical reliability of the Bible or why we should believe in Jesus. So I give talks and I write on those things. I'm actually right before this, I was writing a, my next blog article is going to be on uh, the devil and who he is and, and how we can react kind of to him kind of being popularized in uh, popular culture. So uh, I love, I love what I do. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a dream. <laughs> now, before I get into your own faith journey, which I'm really interested in, um, you work with some of the most prominent people 
that are doing evangelism and apologetics. You work with Greg Kokel and Nick Vojacic, is that right? Yeah, Vojacic, okay. yeah. Yeah, um, both of whom are very well known. Um, for those of you listening, you may not be familiar with the name right off the bat. Greg Kokel has been on this podcast and that was a wonderful conversation. He's in, he's the stand to reason guy, which you are too, but he's the guy who started all of it, if I'm correct, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, he's founder and president. Yep. And then, and he wrote Tactics, which many people have been on this podcast saying everybody has to read that book. Um, and then, Nick, uh, you've probably seen him on the Oprah Winfrey show. You've also probably seen his reels because he goes viral really fast. He has no arms, no legs. He's from Australia, but he, uh, he has this passionate love for Jesus and it just shines through everything that he does. Um, so anyway, how did you end up working with these guys? How, how did that happen for you? <laughs> yeah, God's really good. I uh, So I used to work at a law firm and uh, as a paralegal, um, a great job. I loved it, actually made money and could afford nice things for my family. And uh, But I, I, I got a job offer actually from my local church where I was just attending and participating in, in any way I could, whether it be stack chairs or provide meals, or they, uh, they asked me to be on some leadership committees and teams. Um, and then they eventually offered me a job. I became a pastor there and I was actually a pastor at Greg Kokel's church. Uh, so I got to know him through that kind of experience. And every time I spoke or pr every time I preached him and I would get together and he'd critique me uh, at that same church. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his critiques, they're incredible <laughs> and very, very thorough. So, um, you know, not for the light of heart at all, uh, but it's our faint of heart. The the, uh, the, the the it was amazing experience because you have a man and I consider Greg and I'm not just saying this because he's my boss. I know him as a man. Uh, I knew him before I was on staff at STR. He is uh, just a, such a wealth of of knowledge as far as a resource goes, there's not a better, in my opinion, there's not a better presenter, speaker. There's not a better ambassador of Christ out there. He would hate that I'm saying this about him because yes, he's also he extremely humble. Um, but he, it was really great being mentored by him, and I still am. Uh, so I, he'd listen to my messages. He'd watch me. He'd critique it, and then we'd offer changes. And then eventually uh, I left the church um, to start another church. And at that time, Stand to Reason called me and asked if I'd be consider coming on board full time with them as a speaker and apologist. And that was just like an absolute dream. Uh, similar story with Nick, Nick Vojacic. Uh, I went to church. His, his brother, Aaron Vojacic, was uh, a guy at our church. And I met him and uh, Nick had reached out because he, he used to live locally here in Southern California. He reached out to ask if he could use our church that I was pastor at, which is fairly large for uh evangelistic campaign he does uh, or at least used to do he wants seven straight days every night a campaign uh, where he preaches the gospel and and uh full-on altar call and, and all that and um and he wanted to know if he could do it at our church actually he he had booked a larger church and that kind of fell through for I don't even know why for some reason I got to know him because I headed up that campaign for him at our church and then he, I don't know what he saw in me or, or whatnot, but then he actually brought me on staff for a time to head up his evangelistic uh, arm of his ministry for, the, he used to use a tent. He still does. He has a huge tent that he preaches in. 
so I did that for him and then he asked me to be on his board so now I just serve on his board of directors and I'll be seeing actually next week I'll be with him hopefully uh in Dallas Texas but um but yeah so that's how I came to know these guys God is just really kind he kind of places you in the right place at the right time with the right people and uh, and then you just got to be faithful to, to kind of walk through those open doors. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. It's so cool. It, that is, <laughs> I, I love hearing those stories, especially for somebody listening who's a believer, you know, sometimes you just, you're going along and you're starting to feel discouraged or whatever. Does God see me? You know, yeah. and I just want to encourage you if you're listening and you're, I, I know there's some young people who listen to this, who are Christians that want, uh, you know, to listen to some of these questions that come up. Um, you know, God is faithful. And as you continue walking with him, uh, it's amazing the things that happen. Um, But John, how did you become a Christian? Because that wasn't always your story. You are now passionately going around the country talking about these controversial and yet very bold topics. How did this happen for you? Oh, man. The way I say it is that that, that my story starts like my my Christian story starts as, as all good stories do with I met a girl. Uh, <laughs> I had I had moved from Washington, D.C., where I had another I had another great job as, as a law firm in Washington, D.C. And my first night in Los Angeles, I met Rihanna, who's now my wife. Um, she she was amazing. And she uh I was actually sitting out on the balcony of this high-rise apartment overlooking downtown Los Angeles, taking in the scenery of my new my new home and uh, kind of just amazed at what was happening in my life. And then in the front door of this apartment walked the most amazing girl I've ever seen in my life. Uh, she was <laughs> absolutely beautiful and she had like a command of the room, you know, she was super comfortable in the room. I had no idea who she was at this time. And uh, she she noticed that I was out on the on the balcony, so she was coming out to say hi to me. And she walked with like a quickened pace, really fast, and she smacked right into the screen door. <laughs> and she fell on her bottom. She bumped right into that door, and she fell on her bottom, and and she flung her hair back, and she let out the most beautiful laugh. And like she told, she had me like at that moment. I was like, I am going to be with this girl. <laughs> And then we started getting to know each other and, and fairly early on in our relationship, it came out that she was a Christian mm-hmm. and well, I was an atheist, a pretty hardcore atheist too. It wasn't, uh, I, I, if I found out you were a Christian, I would have loved to have taken you out to, mm-hmm. to coffee or, or dinner or whatever. And just, just to kind of hammer you. And I, I kind of prided myself on, uh, the, the, being able to stump the Christian and so when when she told me that she was a Christian, it was actually a, it was a bigger problem for me than it was for her. I mean, she looking off into the future knew that we didn't really have anything, but in the immediate, I was like, "This is." I thought that you were. I literally would say to her, "I thought you were smart. I thought you were a smart woman," you know. And she is. She's brilliant. She's a mathematician. She's so smart. And but I'd be like, "You you really believe in Adam and Eve? Like you believe in you believe you don't believe in evolution? Like the Darwinian." you know, model of, of how humanity has evolved. You don't believe in that. Like I thought that you were intelligent. And if you asked her, if she was sitting right next to me today, right now, she would say that she'd often left those dates kind of crying mm-hmm. uh, and upset. <laughs> Not like, like, well, one, because she knew the relationship couldn't really go anywhere ultimately. Mm-hmm. And and I need to be clear on this. <laughs> this is not permission for anybody <laughs> to go out there and, and do any type of like missional dating. Like, 
every time I share this story, it's it's crazy, especially if Rihanna is there. She'll have a line of young girls, yeah. like young women, waiting to talk to her. And they're all asking, hey, so there's this guy. He's not a yeah. believer, but, you know, it it caused so many problems. And in, and I do not recommend this because this is definitely the exception mm-hmm. uh, to the rule, you know. And But what happened is, is Rihanna eventually invited me to go to church with her. And it was a super weird experience. I had never gone to like a real church. I've been to Catholic church uh, mass a couple times. I had been to one evangelical church service. It was actually in a, a black Baptist church in Washington, DC. <laughs> Those are my only experiences with church. I went, it was super strange. Uh, you know, people, it was a charismatic church. I got saved in a charismatic church. So oh, wow. uh, there were people speaking in tongues and there was like people spinning around in worship. <laughs> and I was just like, where have you brought me? You know, this is nuts. Like, and I thought, oh, well, you guys are exactly who I thought you were. Well, through a series of events, you know, I ended up getting to know the pastor there. Uh, Dave Polis is his name. I'm still in touch with him today. Mm-hmm. I went to a, a meeting, a membership meeting, where uh, I went with, I mean, I had a notepad with evidence against the existence of God. And I was going to squash this pastor in this in this conversation I was going to have with him and his wife. And I was like looking forward to it because I was going to like, in my mind, I had in, that I was going to convince this pastor that God doesn't exist. And he was going to repent of his, 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 his belief, you know, <laughs> that'd be like a notch on my atheist belt. Like imagine that deconverting a pastor. Yes. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> at the end I, I asked all my questions, some of them he answered really well. Some of them uh, he, he actually was very honest. He was like, you know, that's a great question. I've never thought about it. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so during the course of that conversation, about an hour and a half, he, he was just real. And at the end of the meeting, what he did is he stood up and he took my hand in his and he says, you know what, John, this is for membership at the church. And he's like, John, you know what? We have enough members at our church, but thanks for coming. Like, you know, you don't belong here, man. And I really respected that because if he said, you know what, John, welcome to the church. We'll work on you. I'd be like, oh, well, everything is confirmed. Like you just want my butt in your seat, my buck in your coffer. Uh, you don't really care about what I believe or why I believe it, but he wasn't that way. And then the best part is as he spun me around, he, uh, like, as he had my, my hand in his, he spun me around kind of to his bookshelf. He took a book off this shelf and he handed it to me. He said, you know what, John, I don't know if I answered your questions, uh, to your satisfaction tonight, but I think you'll find some of the beginnings to your, to the answers to your questions in this book. Mm. So would you read it? And it was a book on Christian apologetics. I'd never heard of that before. And I read it cover to cover like six times. Wow. And during that course of uh, the, the, the maybe about six months, I also got a, my in my future in-laws gave me a new believers Bible, hmm. which is like an NLT translation. You know, it's got written, edited by Greg Laurie. It's got super simple, you know, who is the devil? Uh, who is Jesus? What is sin? Like these cornerstones of the faith, they call them. And it was just perfect. That interaction with the word of God was softening and, and kind of tilling the soil of my heart, my soul. Mm-hmm. And then the intellectual stuff I was getting from Christian apologetics was, was pouring into me uh, uh, the idea that that the Christian worldview is intellectually responsible. Mm-hmm. It's it's it, we the, the, the Christian worldview belongs at the at the table of the cultural conversation. It's not as as dumb as I thought it was in, in my language. And then eventually, you know, I don't have a time. I don't have like a, a birthday necessarily, a faith birthday. But over the course of six months or so, uh, God just got a hold of me. 
And uh, almost immediately, I went into Christian apologetics. I went to go get a degree at Biola University and uh, for my master's. And then just God kind of, he's just been, like you said, very, very faithful. Even when I haven't been, he's been very faithful. And uh, and, and I praise him for that. So wow. it was wow. kind of a process. And uh, and he changed me. You know, when Paul says, when Paul says that God, God makes us new, you know, that we're a new creation in Christ, that, that isn't like, uh, it's not like just a self-help or self-improvement like I thought it was as an atheist. He takes your soul that's dead and he breathes life into it. Mm. And I remember as an atheist, I always thought, well, I don't want to become a Christian because it's so boring. <laughs> I got to tell you, holy smoke, <laughs> since becoming a Christian, the, the adventures and the, 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 the the richness of life has only increased with every passing year mm-hmm. and uh and i'm grateful to god for that so that's kind of the brief yeah story i i i, I bumped into that that girl bumped into a door and then i bumped into the reality that god exists <laughs> wow so, how old were you when you came to christ it was 16 years ago so 20 what's that 26 ish wow. 25 yeah. 26 uh and i had everything like just for your listeners you know I didn't reach rock bottom. It's not like that with me, you know. Uh, even in my unbelief, God was very good to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he allowed me uh, to, to. I had great jobs. I mean, my jobs that I had were unbelievable, high-profile legal work that I actually enjoyed. I was good at, made good money, had good friends, drove a nice car. Like, I mean, I had I had a great life before this Christian and this Christian walk and and. Uh, in many ways, actually, I think the world would think that I had a better life mm-hmm. than than I do now. Because we're living as a Christian, there are certain sacrifices, certain things that you have to give up. There's certain things I, I really can I just be honest with you? Um, yeah. Yes, please. I I liked my sin. Yeah. Uh, I liked it. You know, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. And some of that sin, uh, it was it was fun. I was having I was a young man in in Hollywood, California, making really great money with very little responsibility. I was having a lot of fun. Yeah. So it required a lot of changes. And uh, one night I was I know this isn't really what we're talking about. So I don't let me get off. No, no, I like this. Here. Go ahead. <laughs> one night I had my sister in town, and and I'm the only believer in my family. Mm-hmm. And my sister had she lives back in uh, well she lives in Maine now. At the time she was in New York. And she flew out. Is that your accent, she, by the way, New York? My my accent's from Boston, but it's super okay. messed up because <laughs> I, I lived in DC for a while, and now I've been in California for sixteen years, so okay. seventeen years. So, but the uh, my sister, she's asking me. We're in my kitchen, and like I was just kind of pressing her, not in a hard way. I was just having a conversation with her, you know, uh, like why do you think I believe what I believe? Like you've noticed differences in my life because I was like. I was an extreme, and I still am, like an extreme individual. Like I don't do anything halfway. Mm-hmm. So even in my partying or my pursuit of career or or whatever it was, I was always all in. And uh, so when you go from one lifestyle kind of chasing after the, the, the dreams of materialism and you start chasing after Christ, people are going to notice the difference. At least they mm-hmm. should. Yeah. And my, I know my family's noticed a difference. So I say, I know you noticed the difference in my life. Like, why do you think I made these changes? And her answer was really interesting to me. She said, well, because I think it got you a good set of friends, like a good group of people to hang out with. Like, it's like joining a fraternity is the way she kind of was thinking about it. But then I asked her the question, like, what about all the friends that that don't want to be friends with me anymore? Mm. You know, what about the people who not, not, I don't, I honestly don't think it's by my part because I think I'm a pretty genuine nice guy ultimately you know i'm not trying to upset people but because i can't 
because I can't do things and I love people so much that I'm going to tell them the truth that they don't want to be around me anymore. You know, mm. what about those people? You know, yeah. so it's not for friends. Like I believe what I believe, not because it's emotionally satisfying or it's gained me riches. I believe what I believe because it, it's true. Mm. You know, when I say it's true, it accurately re reflects the world around me, which kind of gets us into like the conversation with Gracie, you know, I would love to sit down with her if, if ever possible. If you, if, if you, I, I don't know where you're located or where Gracie's located, but if we could make that happen, like that'd be so much fun because yeah. I would love to have a conversation because like in the course of talking about these hard topics, hell and, and, and people, and they have to exist in hell. And like, this seems awful. Well, yeah, that, that is awful. Honestly, like mm -hmm. I don't love, like if I could change things, I'd, I'd, I'd write hell out of the Bible, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it's not up to me because relativism isn't true there's an objective reality out there the world is a certain way mm -hmm. and and the christian worldview better explains the existence of 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 all of reality uh even some of the hard parts and even though there are hard things in it and and why i kind of mentioned that is i'd love to ask gracie you know like how does what she's kind of like leaning into i don't know where she is in her faith journey but you know how does the worldview that she's leaning towards how's that better explain some of the fundamental features of reality better than Christianity because mm -hmm. um, I don't think they do. And in my ultimate ethic, I always say is truth. Mm -hmm. So if it's not true, I don't want to believe it. So I'm willing to, I'm willing to put my Christian worldview up there on the, on, uh, on kind of a, the examining table of, of worldviews and toss it around with you and then examine the facets. And I'll just be honest when, when you say something, I don't know, I, I there's a lot of stuff I don't know. Yeah. And when something's really hard, I'll, I'll let you know. Cause, uh, yeah. cause stuff, I've been a Christian for six, 16 years and stuff is still very, very, very hard for me. Yeah. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> when you, when you, I want to ask one further question about your faith uh, conversion and then we'll dive into some of these questions from Gracie. But when you were reading that apologetics book six times and your worldview that you had been, you know, a strong advocate of and defender of was being challenged, um, and then, you know, like you said, you enjoyed your sin, you enjoyed your lifestyle, you had a lot going for you. Uh, <laughs> did you, was there a point, I know you said that it, it was a gradual process, but was there a point where you were counting the cost going, do I really want to give all of this up in order to now ad adopt this entirely new, this new thing that I've been mocking people for? Was there like that point for you or did you feel like it slowly came on? That's like, that's a really, really good question. And I, you know, it's funny when you're asking, I'm like, man, I want to give the right answer here, <laughs> but I'm just going to give you the truth. Cause that's yeah, all just I got. The truth. <laughs> just the truth. You know, I have always been somebody who jumps in both feet regardless. So I didn't count the costs up front. The costs counting the costs for me came in years later. Uh, counting the cost still comes in you know, as I'm raising uh, four daughters, you know, because uh, sac my sacrifices for my Christian convictions, I think are greater now than they were then mm. in, in hindsight. Uh, so I think that I, I count the costs now more than I did when I first, uh, when I first experienced kind of the transformation that comes through with knowing Christ. You know, I was like your typical believer, like your new believer, where all of a sudden I find Jesus and like, he's like, he was like the keys to the kingdom. You know, he was the keys to the universe. 
and I'm just stoked. So for like the first year, I'm on fire for Christ. Like I am talking to everybody, every like I'm uh, you cannot put me down, you know. But then eventually, like that, uh, that's largely due to a, it's an emotional high, and eventually, in any experiences, you know, mo- emotions wax and wane, and and as they do, you realize, oh wait a second, I still have to live in a world with his brokenness. Oh wait a second. I contribute to that brokenness. You know, it's not just yeah. out there, but it's in here too. Oh my gosh. And now because I'm a Christian, uh, I feel like my, my, um, the way I say it is my conscience was awakened. Mm. You know, I, 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 when I was an atheist, I was the master of my own ship. At least I thought I was. And I leaned into that as hard as I could, but all of a sudden I'm realizing, oh man, like there is a true master to the ship mm. and I, I got to fall into, into accordance with him and become subservient to him and uh man that's gonna cost me a lot so yeah at first i was just high i was just high on high on jesus i guess is is the best way to say it yeah after him but now it's the the, man it's it's hard living as a christian especially today right now in this western culture it's not it's not for the faint of heart it's Mm -hmm. it's not easy you know the, the, the i i get called all types of names and uh certain if i'm on a college campus sometimes student groups don't want to the, the like don't want you there and and they let you know it and and that's hard you yeah. know and I, I speak on suicide that's my number one topic right now and that's it's a hard i mean i'd much rather t- t- you know go give you know feel good you know self-help talk, you know self-help <laughs> stuff yeah you know but uh so this christian life is it's a hard life you know it's not it's not it's not all rainbows and sunshine yeah uh, so we we constantly count the costs yeah but it's the better life yeah it's true which which matters that's right john i talk with people and listen to videos and podcasts and the topic of hell seems to come up often and i find it fascinating how controversial the topic of hell is even among self-professing christians why do you think hell is such a pardon the pun hot topic and do you think it was always that way or is it something that's evolved with postmodern sensibilities oh man yeah well it's certainly been an issue since before post like postmodern thought came on the scene mm-hmm. i would i would have thought i mean i think it's an issue it's probably been an issue for forever um and and actually gracie in her questions that uh, that you kind of read she kind of alluded to why uh which also gives us a for me it gives me a comfort and an answer to why is is because she 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 has a a sense in what she read before i don't know if we can revisit it but she 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 mentioned that she thinks like she she has a view of justice so she has an understanding of justice in her mind right right from wrong but then more than that uh uh, uh, the, the, the punishment of evil, right? So we have this understanding of justice. It's built into us as part of our conscience. And then, but, but with hell, hell is a part of, of God's system of justice. And, uh, and so when we lean into justice, we have to kind of acknowledge that. I feel like it was just interesting when you read that, you know, but I think yeah. it's always been an issue. Uh, nobody loves nobody, nobody that's healthy. <laughs> loves the idea of eternal uh, torment and separation from God. At least you you shouldn't. If if you do, you're not well. So anybody who who thinks about these things, I think, should have an issue with hell. <laughs> well, 
Although I will say this, I think I've heard many times people be like, well, I think it's unfair for this. However, and kind of going back to what Gracie said, and I can revisit it. um, She said that she knows there's evil in the world and wants to believe that those who perpetrate evil will get what they deserve. So I think that we're okay with hell in terms of people like Hitler or Stalin, you know, like, man, there better be hell for those kind of people, right? Or really horrible people. If, if we're being honest about our human nature, right? Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. I think there's something, there's a, um, there's an innocence to Gracie's question. Mm -hmm. Uh, and there's, I think it's a, I'm going to say it's an innocence. Mm -hmm. We sometimes think that the evil is out there. Yeah in the world it's it's those people who are, it's hitler right it's uh pot you know it's it's mm-hmm. stalin it's those people right and we don't like to have uh we don't like to be confronted with our own sin yeah. you know uh, and this was a huge thing for me as an atheist uh i knew right from wrong i knew that there was a standard to judge right and wrong from so when i when i saw wrong i knew it and i'd call it out but then when I came to realize that the evil, I think I said it when I just a minute ago, when I realized that the evil wasn't just out there, but the evil's in here, something started uh, really uh, taking hold of me. It hurt. It really did. Cause I came to realize that I'm not as good of a person as I think I am, you know? Uh, and then, and then you combine this, with a a proper and a right understanding of who God is, you start looking at God's attributes. You know, sometimes what we do is, is, is we like to, uh, we like to focus in on one of God's attributes as if that is descriptive of, of God in entirety. And you can't do that. You have to, so, so you have to look at God's holiness in in light of God's love, in light of God's wrath, in light of God's justice and in light of God's mercy, you know, so all of these things you have to, this, cause this is who God is as a whole. And when you look at God's holiness and have a, have a pride and we can't ever, I don't think we can ever have a true meaning absolute understanding of God's holiness because none of us will be as holy as God ever. Mm-hmm. But holiness means set apart, right? He's God is so set apart uh, from sin that even the very, he can't stand the very presence of it, you know? So uh so in light of that and who God is and then our own sin, I think hell becomes a little bit more understandable. I'll never like it understandable because we start with, Oh, well that guy over there, Hitler. Yeah. He's in hell. I mean, he was awful, awful. Right. But then all of a sudden you start, when you start understanding of, of again, an accurate picture of who God is and you start to understand who you are, you become an awful lot more, like Hitler than you do like Jesus. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And, and these things aren't hard to say. If Gracie's listening like that, these aren't hard to say. Um, I don't like saying them, but I think it's true. When I compare myself to the, to, to the, to the standard of justice and the standard of love. And I mean, I mean, okay. So, so let's take a practical example, right? God says that I should, I should love my wife as Christ loves the church, even as he gave himself up for her i can i can like i'm getting teared because like i can think of four examples this morning it's 11:40 where i am in the morning <laughs> i can think of four clear examples where i didn't love my wife hmm. like i like christ loves me and uh and god's standard is perfection 
Mm. And that's because he's God. He's perfect. We don't want an imperfect God. Mm -hmm. If he's imperfect, he's not God. So God's standard is perfection. And I fall short of that standard, even in the four hours I've been asleep today. I mean, asleep, awake today. Mm-hmm. And, 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 uh, but, but Christ, right? Thank goodness. Thank God. Literally, uh, we rely on Christ's righteousness, not our own. Christ fulfilled the law that we can't fulfill. So when God looks at us, he doesn't see us. He sees, uh, he sees us wrapped in Christ's righteousness, right? That's the imputation of, 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 of what happened on the cross, right? There's a double imputation. Imputation means for those listening, what does imputation mean? Um, a, a, a taking on of or a lending to. Okay. So if you lend something to somebody and take it on, it, it's an imputation. So 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 I say double imputation because okay, so you have the sacrifice of Jesus, and for some reason this is highly controversial even in Christian circles uh, today. I don't think it needs to be. I think the scriptures are pretty clear that 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 uh, when Jesus died on the cross, uh, our sin was imputed to Christ. Christ took on all of our sin all the sin of humanity past present and future so that so that we can be cleansed of he paid the penalty for it but at the same time that sacrifice of that perfect lamb of jesus who lived that life that we can't live because of sin that sacrifice is is the penalty for our sin that we can't afford and and then christ's righteousness that flows out of his perfect life is now imputed given to us so that you know he he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that what we would become the very righteousness of god it's like this is this like and oh this is just so cool right and and uh so that that's what happens right there is, is there's so we don't have to rely on us but if we're truthful with one another i am not that good of a person I'm not, you know, and, and I fail every single day, but thank God it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it's not about me. It's about what Jesus has done. And all we do is we accept that free gift of grace that God has, has, and then once we do, we become transformed and, and God sets us apart, right? We become more and more like God in that, like Jesus in that, right? We become, uh, we become righteous. We're able to pursue, this is sanctification. We're able to pursue holiness and, and flee sin, repent, Right, we were. It's a life of repentance, and uh, that we live, and and then you know, and, and I love it, what God says about us, those of us who believe. Right, right. As far as the east is from the west, how so far has God removed His transgressions from us? The psalmist is so like I could go off forever. So please interrupt me. But like this, <laughs> this is the good news that changed the world. By the way, like this is the true story of reality too. This isn't like make believe. This isn't. These aren't just empty platitudes. These, these, this is the way the world really is, <laughs> like which is insane, right? And and the psalmist says, and I'm going to miss a couple words here, but he says, he says, if God were to mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there's forgiveness with you. Mm-hmm. You see, if we, if 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 God were to keep this record of right and wrong, this 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 uh this uh this sheet. Nobody could stand before him, not even the best person, not even my mom. My mom, I'm convinced, I mean, she hasn't even paid a bill late. She's the nicest lady on the face of the planet, you know, but even her can't stand before a holy and a just God. But the good news is, is that once you've been cleansed by Christ, once you receive Christ, once once uh, you hear the gospel and you're transformed, uh, it's no longer about your works because there's no, there's no record of right and wrong because there's forgiveness in God. 
You know, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ, in our Lord Christ Jesus. Okay. Nothing. I, I want to ask you some tough follow-up questions to that. Friend, if you're enjoying this episode, you may also enjoy exclusive bonus content each month. Finding Something Real is a podcast that has some costs associated with it. We have a website, monthly subscriptions to stay organized. We design things. We like to pay an assistant producer who keeps things going around here, that kind of stuff. We're not in the business of trying to make money, but we are in the business of wanting to keep this show going and be sustainable. So we use Patreon. And if you haven't heard of it, Patreon is the best place for creators to build memberships by providing exclusive access to their work and a deeper connection with their communities. Each month, patrons who support Finding Something Real get a bonus episode where we recap the month's episodes. Often those episodes feature our co-hosts and they will often share what this journey was like. There's other perks over there too, and it's easy to get involved. Just go to findingsomethingreal.com and click support at the top of the page. We'd love to have you over there in our Patreon community. Sure. So Romans 10 uh, verses 14 and 15 says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And yes. how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. What do you say to someone who says, okay, that's well and good for someone who has the privilege of growing up in a Western culture where Christianity is prevalent and maybe they have access to the Bible. But what about somebody who grows up their whole life thinking, well, I'm pretty good. I'm good. But they never hear the good news. Yeah. They die. And God's going to judge them. Why would a good God send them to hell or is he going to? What are your thoughts on that, John? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Uh, one, <laughs> <laughs> there's there. I mean, there's so there's so many. There's so much to this. Uh, one, it, it, it points to our responsibility as Christians to go and make sure people hear the good news. Right. right? Second Corinthians 520 says that, that we're ambassadors for Christ, begging on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God, begging on behalf of Christ, right? So we need that as Christians, we need to be about that. Two, uh, and these are summary points, we can try to dig deeper if, if you want. Two, uh, I, 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 attributes of God, right? So so I know I know that, that God's love is perfect and God doesn't ever do anything uh, wrong. Mm -hmm. He's always right. He's also sovereign, right. meaning uh, he is he is the master of his own ship, right? And uh, and when you when you talk about salvation in this area, I trust God because He's all loving. And this the, I hope that these don't sound like pad answers because they're really not. This is what I believe. I trust God because He's all loving. I know I know who God is. Mm -hmm. God is all loving, and I know that he's sovereign, and he will do his will, and his will, I also know, is perfect. Right. So I know that everybody who, um, everybody that should hear the gospel will hear the gospel. Mm -hmm. The Lamb's Book of Life is is written, and, and there's not one name in it that shouldn't be there, and there's not one name that's not there that should be. Does that, I hope, does that make sense? Yeah. You know, it, it, it's not like God is going to, when at the end of the times, at end of end of times when God is, is, is welcoming all his people and in the time of judgment is coming, it's not like he's going to be like, oh, wait a second, where's, where's John Noyes? <laughs> oh, he was supposed to be on the list. I forgot to put him on the list. No, he's supposed to be on the list. No, 
uh, he knows who's supposed to be there and those people will be there now this i understand is not satisfying emotionally i understand that uh a lot of a lot of things for me don't satisfy me emotionally but it doesn't mean it's not true uh, uh emotionally speaking uh, normally when i get posed this question like like what about the the aborigine who who lives a a a, a good life one i want to say good according to who good according to who because there's a standard here and we have to if there's a standard there's a standard giver and and what's that standard according to the standard giver the standard is perfection so anything short of perfection isn't good in in the ultimate sense two it's not us who it, it's not our we don't earn heaven through good behavior if we did you and i we'd be hosed i'd be out I don't earn it through my good behavior. It's a gift that's been given to me on that third aspect. I want to know, like more personally speaking, again, if I'm talking to Gracie or I'm talking to one of the listeners and I'm at a coffee shop with you, I want to know who you think, like, like when you, I think, yeah, this is an objection that people raise, but I want to know, like, who are you thinking about when you raise this? Like, do you know this person? Like, do you know this, uh, this, this person that's never heard the gospel? Do you know this person that, that lives in wherever? Because most of the time the answer is no. Because the gospel is being sent out. And I think that, and this goes back to kind of the first point, and every single person that's, that's, that's going to be saved is going to hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's being sent out. You know, I don't think they have a real picture of a real person in their mind. Uh, lastly, I think we have the, the question wrong. <laughs> uh, and this might sound, I don't want to sound dismissive. That's why I put this last. But one of the things that I came to, because this is a major issue that I'd bring up. Mm-hmm. And I realized, I think I was asking the wrong question because I, I wasn't doing, in, in my mind, I had a, I had a caricature of God uh, or I was erecting kind of a straw man in my mind of who, a false understanding of who God is because I wasn't looking at God with all his attributes in mind at the same time. And I think the question that we should be asking is in light of who God is, how could he allow anybody into his presence for eternity. Like I find it, I find it way more astonishing because I know my life. I know the awful things I've done. I know the awful things I still do, though I don't want to sometimes, right? I have that wrestle that Paul had. Why do I do the things that I wish I had not done? You know, why do I do the things I wish I don't do? You know, if I'm honest with myself, I think I'm, I'm, I'm like I said before, far closer to, to, to an Adolf Hitler than I am to a Jesus perfection. So how could God, like, what does God see in me? Like what God loves the whole world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever should believe in him will not perish, but inherit eternal life. Like sometimes I feel like we, we lose sight of the fact that, that this thing, this system, this system, it's free for you and me. It came at a great cost for, for God. God paid with his son for, 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 for this. And I think that that's, I think that, that, that we need to keep that in the front of our minds. Like, this isn't just like God willy nilly you're in, you're out. Oh, you're cool. Oh, look. Yeah, you're good. Okay. No, but no, you're not funny. I don't want you here. It wasn't, it's not arbitrary, you know? Uh, And, and God paid 
a price that, that you and I will actually never really be able to understand what, what it's like to take, take the weight of sin, right? Jesus prayed in Gethsemane the night before his crucifixion, you know, father, if it, if it be your will, uh, let this cup be passed for me. So there you have uh, the, the second person of the Trinity in flesh, God incarnate, pleading with the first person of the person that shared in me that the thing that he knows that he has to do that that which he was sent to do which he knew was going to have to happen from eternity past he knew this moment was coming mm-hmm. begging is there another way is there because because he knows the cost that's going to be paid and then not only that but during that that that, that time where he's 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 dead and buried there's a cosmic transaction that i don't think anybody really knows what's happening where 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 that 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 idea of this one, you know, uh, the, the, a ransom person, a per- ransom of God uh, is a ransom for many. You know, this this one person, you know, God, uh, God gives his son so that he can get many sons and daughters becomes a reality. Uh, like this is, this, this is where my question, this is where really my struggle goes when people ask this question about the unevangelized, because, because I don't understand how God would let anybody in his presence. Mm-hmm. And it came at such a great cost. Um, yeah, hell is, hell is an awful thing. Uh, I'm the, I'm the only, I'm the only Christian in my family and and I love my mom and I love my brother and I love my sister. I love them so much and I love their families and I love my, my nieces and my nephew so much. Mm. And I want them to know who Jesus is so much one, because it's true, the true story of reality and, 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 and you have heaven off there in the distance waiting and also, if I'm being honest, I don't want them to go to hell. I don't want anybody to go to hell. Mm-hmm. Um, but just because I don't want it doesn't mean it's not it's not true. Mm-hmm. And and that's a motivator for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna sh- share this with with everybody I can, especially the people that don't know who Jesus is. So that's a really long answer to this question. I, I hope it's okay. <laughs> no, it's I'm good. Like super long winded. I'm sorry. That's all right. That's all right. I like it. Um, I know there's a lot of discussion. Uh, I mean, I've talked to Christians about this. I've heard discussions about this, about, you know, is it eternal conscious torment? Is it annihilationism? Is it, you know, just an absence of God's love or his goodness? I've had people on here who talk definitively about what hell is. What do you think, John? What do you think hell is like? It's it's For me, it's very similar to... (laughs) I was going to say it's very similar to heaven. Our knowledge of it <laughs> is is very much like heaven. Like we don't have a ton of we don't have a ton to go on. You know this this but the, I feels I feel like the scriptures are pretty clear here. Uh it's real. Uh, I think it's a it's a physical place, a place of uh torment, weeping, gnashing of teeth. Uh, you know, Jesus, I, I, for me, the clearest parable that, that speaks kind of this and lends it to is of course the rich man and Lazarus, uh, where it seems like th- that, that Lazarus is in a real place. I don't think Jesus is just using this to, as a metaphor. Um, you know, it's a place that you don't want to be, uh, what it's not is it's not probably like it's depicted in, uh, all like popular culture, Dante's you know? Inferno. Yeah. There's no, there's no guy with a red, little red guy with horns and a tail, like with a pitchfork, you know, I think it's eternal separation. Oh man, I can't even say this. It's eternal separation from God. Um, which to me is, is penalty enough 
uh, because because what, what people don't understand is even though even if you don't believe you're still uh, certain facets of the world are still influenced and affected by God, including yourself. Like like for example, the Holy Spirit is restraining evil. You know that the the conscience that's been given to you is is a gift from God, and when you start talking about separation of God, uh, the time is up. Right, the the scriptures are clear. Uh, the Hebrews. You know, we're, we're given but one life and then after life comes the judgment. So, so we have this one life to do with it, kind of to, to, to explore it in the, in the world around us. And then, then comes judgment. There's not going to be a second judgment. It's not going to be a time of repentance after when, when Christ comes back, you know, and, and uh, so it's going to be permanent is what I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the scriptures seem to indicate to me that it's a real place. Uh, there's, uh, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth uh it's described as a lake of fire whether or not that lake of fire is a holding place or the final resting place of of, of those who were sent there i don't i don't know uh this is this is a hard topic yeah yeah it's a hard topic i want to ask you a hard question it kind of goes back to um you know, you sharing about your entire family, uh, except for your immediate family, being atheist or, or not believing. Um, all of us will be confronted with death in this life. And let's say someone you love who didn't know Jesus dies. And later on in your life, you're confronted with the gospel. But you consider, I don't want to spend eternity apart from my loved one. I remember talking to a woman once who shared about her father passing away and how she didn't even want to get close to a religion that would assume to exclude someone like her dad from a peaceful eternity. Yeah. Have you heard this objection before? And John, how do you respond? This is, this is a good question. <laughs> oh, man. Truth is truth. So either hell exists or it doesn't. Uh, the wages of sin are either death or they're not how we feel doesn't dictate what's true so how i feel i'm going to get personal with this in a second but how i feel about the existence of hell doesn't change the reality of hell my um my my stepfather got really really sick it's 2 years ago um cancer doing treatments everybody was telling me he was getting better my mom called one day uh this was november two years ago and she said uh, john has two weeks to live the doctor said john has two weeks to live whoa uh okay that changes things so i hopped on a plane and spent four days with john sharing uh, the gospel as best as i can uh, here I am, the professional Christian, right? The professional, like, I just, I just want him to accept Christ so bad because I'm living under the, I have the same emotional response that the person who asked that question has. I have the same emotional response, but hell is real. And and I think we have good reason to believe it's real. So that's going to motivate me in how I, how I uh, live my life. And in this instance, like, I had to get to it. So I had hard conversations with John. It's the night I'm leaving. I'm leaving in the evening, uh, going up to Maine to go help another friend. And I say, John, John is in bed. 
at this point he's got i think he he's going to die like three th- maybe three or four days later we're all in the room we all know that he's going to die uh me and my mom and john and i say john uh i want you to know i'm gonna pray for you in a minute but i want you to know that there's nothing that you have to do to receive the free gift of grace that's offered through the cross of christ nothing there's no magic prayer there's no magic water there's no magic saying there's no mantra you just have to receive it do you want to receive that and he looked at me and this is his exact words i'm not right now i'm good is what he said and now i live with the reality this is a true story i live with the reality despite my best efforts all indications point that my father-in-law who was by many standards a good man uh, my my, sorry my my stepdad by by many standards a good man is not with jesus he is uh he's suffering which one leads me to take this issue very seriously and talk about it to everybody i know again you know, um, because the, the what we believe here and now doesn't just affect here and now. It affects the rest of our lives. It's much like children. You don't understand. When you're a teenager, you don't understand. You know, for me, I was always getting in trouble. I don't understand that getting arrested when I was a teenager was going to actually affect my future life. You know what I mean? Like, you don't understand that. Well, the same is true here. How how we like the things that we do with our life here and what we choose to believe and and and, and chase after here will affect eternity. And for John, I think the, the every indication in my mind is there was no repentance. And that then and, and I, do I like that? No, I hate it. Yeah, I hate it. Um, but it's true. And uh, so that that's how I'd respond to that. I hope that's a that's okay yeah i'm crying over here because i'm thinking about people in my life you know who um by all you know i mean what i love about scripture is we have the example of the thief on the cross that anyone can come to him at the last moment and turn and maybe you know you never know but um man it's hard to live with the idea that people we love um choose to reject the lord yeah Um, you know janelle to that uh to that point, I um I I I I I I, res- I, I have hope, you know. Right. Uh, I I think intellectually, I probably know what I think intellectually is closer to what really happens, but I still reserve hope. Right. That God, there. If God can get me, <laughs> He can get John uh, on his deathbed. Yeah. He, and and I'm not the arbiter of of salvation. I'm not the. I don't judge hearts. Yeah. You know, God does. God knows all that. So I reserve hope for that. Right. Um, and and also I want to add on top of this, like just just with my walk of uh I, I've just come to trust God in 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 the things I like and the things I don't like. And and I and I trust God in his sovereignty. I trust God in his love. I trust God in his wrath. I trust God in his grace. I trust God in all of these things. And I know how much God loves me because he proved it by giving to us Christ. And I know he doesn't do anything wrong. So it, it sounds kind of weird, but even in maybe, uh, maybe in my instance, John suffering in hell in that I trust that God makes the right decisions. Right. Like, and I don't know what's going on in the mind of God. Uh, right. And that's okay for us to say too, by the way, 
Like, it's okay to say, I have no idea. Like, right. I don't, I don't, I don't know God like that. I don't know his mind. I don't have his mind. If I did, I'd be God. Right. So I have hope. Uh, I always hold, withhold a little bit of hope. And I also know that when I get to glory, like, like in the new creation, I'm going to see people there. I'm going to be like, how in the world did you get here? You know, it's <laughs> like, like you are horrible. Like, what in the world are you doing here? You know? And then, and, I'll, and then I'll see people that aren't there and I'll be like, oh my gosh. Well, I guess I won't see them, but I, they're not going to be there. I'm like, where's Susie? Susie mm. was like the best person I ever knew. Mm. You know, where was she? Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. You know, so, so it's going to work both ways and I don't yeah. know. It's going to yeah. be crazy. There's a lot of mystery about that, too, I think, because it says there'll be no more tears or sadness. And I can't imagine anything being more sad than knowing that your loved ones aren't there. I don't know. It's um, There's a lot of things that we do have to take by faith in God's character and go, man, he's he's better. He's better than, you know, even the prospect of spending eternity you know, obviously you don't want to spend eternity in hell, but then to spend eternity in hell with my loved one, I mean, that just shows that, and I don't know how to say this in a loving way, <laughs> but like you're elevating that relationship more than a relationship with God. And, um, you know, he's better. He's better than anything. Um, you know, I, I remember hearing one time that every every close relationship that we have here is just a glimpse of the intimacy that we get to have with God. Um, it's just, you know, a shadow of what's to come. Yeah. Um, That's good so, right there. Yeah. Well, and I, I want to ask one final question before, well, actually I've got two here. Um, Gracie, I think she said something along the lines of eternity. The, the whole idea of it seems extreme and scary. Um, which I think is a really interesting observation, do you think it's extreme and scary? Because I, there is a heaviness to this conversation, John. It's it's not easy to talk about. It's like I remember being at a camp when I was like ten years old and mentioning hell, and my camp leader, who was you know in her late teens, early twenties, she was just like Janelle. We don't talk about hell like that. I'm like, why not? <laughs> <laughs> like really, we should talk about it. And I think at the time I was kind of like, everyone needs to know about this. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, is it extreme and scary to think of eternity? Um, it, it depends on what you mean by extreme. It's definitely, I mean, it, certainly with the hell stuff, yeah, I'm going to say it's scary. I'm just being honest. Yeah, it's scary. <laughs> but but scare, the future glory, I mean, excited about it. Uh, but that's just as extreme and scary. I mean, what does it look like to live in a world where there's no more sun because you don't need the sun to 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 illumine everything because you got the glory of God? Like, I mean, this is the same glory that Moses caught just a glimpse of when he was placed in the cleft of a rock and saw but the train of God. He saw God's shadow and it made his face glow. Like, what does that look like living in the midst of that? So, I mean, that's even a little scary because a lot of this stuff, I mean, even angels come into earth, right? The, the response as, as people are confronted with angels... Uh, we just got done with Christmas season, you know, the, all the uh, angels come in during the annunciations. And it's just like the, the, the response of human beings is fear. Do not be afraid is usually their first words. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that all of this stuff, uh, we have fear of the unknown. And there's a lot of unknown that surrounds both heaven and hell. Um, so, uh, but ex extreme. Mm. I'd <laughs> I think that it's uh, 
I don't know. Extreme in a in an uh, in a sense that it's um, over the top. No, and I think that that's often due. The, the reason why we'd say that it's extreme is because we don't have a good perception one of our sin and our wickedness, and we don't have a, an accurate and right understanding of God's holiness. Um, so I think that, and 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 then in light of all of God's other attributes, uh, I think that God chooses the the perfect and right situation for each and every individual. Um, but it's definitely, I mean, all of this stuff is scary. Yeah. I mean, well, even good things can be scary. Right. I think. Yeah. Wasn't it C.S. Lewis who said something about Aslan, like him being great, but not safe. Oh, <laughs> something like that. Great There's a great quote. line in there. Yeah. Do you remember it? I do. Well, yes. That's a great quote. Yeah, absolutely. He, yeah. He, he, yeah, he's great, but he is not safe. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's that's true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Couple of final questions here. I heard a speaker recently talk about the faith culture among young people today, and yeah. I don't know if this is scientifically founded, but, and I'm sure he was quoting someone else actually, but he suggested that young people today are choosing their beliefs on relationships. He said that while in the past relationships were formed from belief, uh, in other words, that you would choose people based on what you already believed. Today's young people are choosing to accept or reject beliefs based on their relationships. Um, what do you think about that? Um, and how do you talk with someone who doesn't want to accept traditional biblical beliefs because it rubs their relationships the wrong way? Yeah. Okay. So I think that I think there's some truth here. Like I think a lot of the people that a lot of young folks are believing um, on emotionalism. So it's not that it's related to their relationships, but it's it's more like the kind of having to do with the second part of this question. Mm. How do you uh, how do you discuss these these hard things with people that you love that you know is going to rub them the wrong way, and maybe they're not going to want to be friends with you anymore? Yeah. So <laughs> the 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 res so now the response what we're seeing is instead of instead of instead of saying the hard things at the risk of the friendship, we preserve the friendship and change our beliefs in order to kind of pad that friendship. Um, I, I see that happening. Absolutely. I think that that's, uh, I think that's true. I, I, I don't think we're uh, being taught in educational institutions in general, how to think critically about certain issues. I think we're taught, I think relativism in general is kind of the accepted view. As far as truth goes, there is no truth as, as in, in an objective sense, meaning true for all people, all places, all times, it's much more personal preference. And when you start entering relationships into the equation, uh, your personal preferences are going to be dictated by uh, the friend groups that you keep. Uh, absolutely. But undergirding that all is, is your feelings and how your, your relationships are going do not make something true or not true. Uh, you see, see, reality is is the way the world really is, and it's that thing that you bump into when you don't live according to it. So my challenge, or the way I would answer that person asking that question, is I would say, okay, now I want you, I want you to take your principles that you're learning that are dictated by your friendships, and apply them to the world around you, and see how they answer not the easy questions, but the hard questions, the ones that we've been talking about. The questions of right and wrong, uh, the question of of the beginning of everything. Where did where did the universe come from? Uh, the existence of the soul, 
you know, uh, God either exists or he doesn't exist. It's the, the, he doesn't go in and out of existence according to how your boyfriend feels that day. I uh, thank God. Uh, you know, he, so our personal preferences, our personal opinions may affect how we live our life. Sometimes they may affect what relationships we hold, but they don't reflect the way the world really is always. But I think the task of every human being, the ultimate goal of humanity in general is to live a life closest to the way the world really is. And when you do that, things generally, for the most part, go well for you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, especially in, in this, in, in our country, like in, in where we live here, you know, there's not like rampant persecution. There's not, we're not, you know, nobody's killed for their, for, for their Christian convictions. Uh, we, for, for the most part are able to speak our minds without, uh, fear of recourse or, or, uh, violence to us. So we should take advantage of that. So I, I'd say that, that you're the way that you feel and how relationships are going, don't dictate truth. I don't know if you've had a chance to read the, um, oh man, what's, there's a, there's a, oh, it's, he's a, he's, he's a professor at a Arizona Christian university, um, Barna. Okay. And so he's, he, every year he comes up with a worldview study and they just came out to 2022. And what they're finding is that it's really interesting. There isn't an increase, like we're seeing Christian influences wane, obviously, but he, there's not a rise in like what well, a lot of people think, oh, well, secularism is, is creeping in. No, secular secularism is, is holding firm at like 3% of the, the, the population affirms like atheism, right? Uh, what's happening is is the trend is that that Christians are becoming synchronistic, meaning what's happening is, is we're, in, we're adopting, we're taking these aspects from worldviews that we like and joining together. A clear example would be the Christian who believes in karma. Right. Right. Uh, you get what you, you get, what you put out. Right. Right. Uh, the or, or um, I hear it all the time. The atheist who says, well, the universe is being kind to me. It's like, right. I mean, number one, that doesn't even make sense. But it's also like they're they're taking a worldview of atheism, materialism, naturalism, however you want to describe it. And they're combining it with some with some type of supernatural component, right. whether it be the, the universe or God or something. And I think that relates kind of this question is uh truth is no longer our pursuit uh we're abandoning truth for ideologies and and relationships mm -hmm. and at the preservation of our relationship we're willing to sacrifice what's true mm -hmm. and and we we should stop that <laughs> <laughs> and so we stop it by getting into the word of god we we stop it by pursuing the truth. truth and not and not relativism That's speaking good. the truth in love and uh, and love, by the way, not defined by the culture, total acceptance, uh, but but love is actually a pursuit of truth. Yeah, you know, is is letting people know in a, in a very kind and loving way that that they're living in sin or or they ought not do certain things. Yeah, yeah, that reminds me of a quote somebody shared on here about most people live not for a truth quest but for a happiness quest, and I think, man, you know, <laughs> happiness is so temporary. Um, well, it's yeah, also if you, like whose happiness. Yeah. Like this is this is this this was where I started at my journey at atheism. I, I realized that I was pursuing happiness, but my happiness. And I'll tell you what, I left a a, a trail of victims mm. as I was pursuing my happiness, whether it be uh, through uh, you know uh, relationships, uh, you know, using people, lying. Uh, and not everybody's extreme, you know, but 
uh, my ha- what happens when my happiness intersects with your happiness and they don't, you know, then, then, then we're met with ultimately left with might makes right in, in my mind. So yeah, you can pursue ha- happiness, but only for a time. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. you're not always going to be happy either. I mean, it's just a fact of the world. That's you know, right. We ought not, we ought not be happy all the time. That'd be weird. <laughs> <laughs> It wouldn't be the real human experience, that's for sure. (laughs) Final question. I ask everybody this that comes on the podcast. The Finding Something Real podcast, John, is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Real is an acronym for those things. Restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. All gifts that we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ. Which of those stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? Restoration, eternity, authenticity, or love oh my goodness <laughs> uh, oh they all of them but the i i would say oh man authenticity i think one of the reasons why the culture is the way that it is is because the church tries to put on the, the, the you know a, a face a, a veneer and uh we, I get this on Sunday mornings. It's it's one of my pet peeves. Uh, you could you could be on your way to church, in a horrible fight with your wife, kids bouncing off the walls, work not going well, life falling apart. Generally speaking, around you, and somebody asks you how you're doing, and it's like, oh hey, I'm blessed. Like that's not real. Like that's not what I want. You know, if you come to my church, which is a small church. And you ask me that and I'm having a rough morning, I'm going to let you know that I'm having a rough morning. And you might, you might say, oh my gosh, I'm never going to ask you how you're doing again, you know, but you're going to get the real answer because I think, I think authenticity, I think, I think we all want a real experience. Uh, we all, we ultimately deep down, we have a desire and a hunger for that. And I think that oftentimes Christians in the past, we've kind of failed at that and we, and we've, uh, we've, we've moved authenticity out the door and we've either replaced it with a, a, a feigned authenticity or gimmicks and, and, and people see through the gimmicks mm-hmm. and we don't even do them well. I mean, we're trying to, we, sometimes we try to compete with like, you know, uh, uh, HBO and Showtime and, and these things and, and we don't have the budget or the time or, or any to do that. So like, why don't we just be real? And, 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 and by the way, the, the thing that we have, the, the, the real authentic thing that we have is better, like you said, than anything else. Right. It's better. It's, yeah. it's, it's it, what, what's awaiting me in glory is better than any sin here. Yeah. You know, what, what we have in, 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 in Christ Jesus is better than any relationship we have here. And, uh, and if we could show the world that mm-hmm. by being authentic, I think we'd, I think we'd go a long way. And that's also what I hear from the youth as I travel around speaking. Oftentimes, I think what a lot of the youth tell me is that there's there's a lack of authenticity. They think they're being lied to or manipulated. And I don't ever want to be associated with those two words, lying, manipulation. I just want to be real. Yeah. Which is kind of like how I am. You know, I, I, I try to at least. Um, you have to. <laughs> you know, and, love, and love people as best as I can. Yeah. I love well, people, not not for anything other than that they're made in the image of God and worthy of my love uh, for that reason, that reason alone. And, yeah. Uh, just be real. That's awesome. John Noy, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. 
This season, we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with Him. Until next time.